Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Oh, how are we doing, everybody? Happy New Year. We are back with a new season. Fantastic episode this week with the great Chris Gethard, son of New Jersey, specifically son of Essex County, New Jersey, North Jersey. He takes us on a really great history lesson. Uh, He really gives us context uh, to a lot of the uh, very insular references that David Chase drops, not just in this episode, which is the season four premiere, but also other episodes in the series, really gives you uh, an appreciation for how many little nods David Chase gives to his hometown, his home area. So great to have Chris on to give us that context. Uh, and before we get started, just wanted to shout out our own Professor Paulie, who wrote a COVID Sopranos script, which is so good, takes place in between season four and five, as if coronavirus uh, pandemic was happening in that time period. I think he really captured the voices of all the characters. It really sings, and I think you'd really appreciate it. And it fills the hole that we're experiencing, having to wait another million months for many scenes of Newark to come out. So if you're looking for something to fill that void, uh, please give it a read. It's really, really good. You can find a link to it in the bios at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. There's a link tree there, and we link to Professor Pauly's wonderful script. So after you listen to this week's episode, please give that a read. It's really, really worth your time. And without further ado, Chris Gethard. Mother, don't you recognize your son? Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Oh, a Sopranos podcast. We're back. We're back. As always, I'm Joe Spellman, and this is David Fudernick. And this is Paul Golius. And we're talking episode, oh, season four, episode one. Kicking off for all that's public and private with our very special guest, 
You know him from uh, his own show on television, the Chris <laughs> Gethard Show. Specials, I forget the name. Career Suicide, that's it. That's the that's one. That's the one. And many other uh, things on TV and film. Ladies and gentlemen, and Chris Gethard. Yes, and his new podcast, I uh, all about New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. Mr. New Jersey, Chris Gethard. What up? Hello. What up, dude? Thanks for having me, guys. Thank Thanks you for here. coming on. To be here. Yeah, we're kicking off in style, season four here. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, let's go uh, right up top. Like, um, what's your <laughs> what's your Joe. relationship with the show? Like, have you watched? I mean, have you watched all of it? Um, and uh, you know, like, since you have a lot of New Jersey stories, like, get right into it and start telling us that. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you, I've, I have watched every episode. Um, the show's beloved in New Jersey. And when it was on the air, I was a student at Rutgers University and started there, I think it was 98 to 02, I lived in New Brunswick. And, you know, that's a college town, party town. There's always, you know, there's, it, it has some rough edges. There's crime, there's mayhem, there's, there's drunken mischief. And I can tell you sincerely that I don't think there was ever less crime going on in New Brunswick, New Jersey than on Sunday nights in my era. Cause everyone watched this show. And I think one of the things, I don't know if any of you are, are Jersey guys um, by chance. I state area. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, Connecticut we're, guys, but yeah, yeah with relatives in New Jersey. Yeah. I can tell you being from New Jersey, there's a level of watching the Sopranos that I think is just, I, I mean, it's an amazing show for anybody who watches it. It's, it's, it's the, you know, it's that and the wire are the best shows of all time. And I think Sopranos is probably more accessible and fun in my opinion. It's, it's like as good, but more accessible. Yeah. Agreed. And you're from New Jersey. The references make you cheer. And I'm from Essex County, New Jersey, which is where the, Pretty much, I mean, Tony Soprano lives in Essex County, New Jersey. He lives in North Caldwell. Um, Matt Bevilacqua was from West Orange in Canon. They say the town name West Orange. That's where I was born and raised. Uh, I, I'll never forget. I, I forget which episode it was where I believe Polly Walnuts, someone enters a room and Polly Walnuts goes, oh, what happened? They left the cage open at the Turtleback Zoo. And that's a real zoo on Northfield <laughs> Avenue that I attended at least one birthday party there. Uh, every year of my of my elementary school life. So watching the show for me, it, it's I get all the joy of it being a remarkably well-written and beautifully acted show. Mm. And I also get this um, extra added joy of knowing all these things that they're talking about on, on a pretty intimate level that I think fly past people. And there there's some that I, I cite as my like favorites that I've ever seen. And uh, I tell you what I did. I watched this episode we're talking about tonight and I wrote down a number of things that are kind of um, like things that I I would notice or that I know the references to that. If you guys want me to just get real nerdy and in depth, it would be super boring. I think for a lot of your listeners, but that there are certain things in this where I'm just going, that's fucking awesome. If you're from New Jersey, let alone if you're from Essex County. No, I think our our listeners definitely want to like drill down into like, because this is, we're allowed to talk about spoilers on this. This is for people who've seen the show many, you many are. times. Yeah. So, yeah. so can I, yeah, like we, can I say my, one of my favorite things the show ever did? Yeah. Here's the, 
this is when it's like, it just makes you sit. This is how hardcore David Chase goes into Essex County um, specificity. The episode where Charles S. Dutton uh, is the cop who gives Tony the ticket and then won't back down. They meet up in Fountains of Wayne, first of all, (laughs) which is for any Jersey, that place is gone, but not forgotten, forgotten. That was like the ultimate driving landmark in the pre GPS days. That's, that stands right where routes 23, 46 and 80 meet right next to the Willowbrook mall. And it was so gaudy and outlandish that like, okay. And then fountains of Wayne is going to be on the left side. And that's when you hit the jug handle, go back around. That was like the ultimate landmark. But that cop was from Cedar Grove. If I remember right. And it's so fucking funny because if you grow up where I grew up, there's a comic book store in Cedar Grove named time warp. Everybody went there. And the Willowbrook Mall, you drive down Route 23, you cut through Cedar Grove. And it was a well-known thing. Don't speed in Cedar Grove. They got cops sitting there every night. And it was known. These are the cops where like, you know how when you're a kid, you get a speeding ticket. What does everybody do? I'm going to go down to the courthouse and then they'll still give me a fine, but maybe they'll take the points away. It was known. Cedar Grove will not do that. The cops will show up to testify every time. They don't do it. Like the idea that he was a Cedar Grove cop who was just hanging, like whose nuts were a little too tight and who wouldn't back down is like made me sit there with my jaw on the floor (laughs) that it was that specific to the reality of where I grew up. So I've got a few things like that, that I wrote down from this episode. Some, some that are more worth it than others and have a little more. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's why we're, why we're all here. Right. I mean, fucking David Chase, you killed it, bro. I think, (laughs) uh, I think, uh, you know, We've gotten that across by doing getting into season four of this now. Um, so also tell me when I'm talking too much, please, because I fucking get rambly about <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. Our, know me forever. our listeners forever. are used to hearing us talk, so this is better. And especially okay. like, I, I I would imagine a good chunk of our listeners are New Jerseyans, so uh, this yeah. is fun yeah. for a good chunk of yeah. People. And they're yeah, fucking please, sick please of hearing go, from us. So yeah, go go ramble and do your thing, man. It's great. Will do. Um, Will do. So just to kick it off up top, of course, this is For All Debts, Public and, Pri- Public and Private, written by David Chase himself, directed by Alan Coulter, originally aired September 15th, 2002. Little factoid. Did you guys know this is the highest viewed episode of Sopranos ever? More than the finale? Yep. Holy yep. shit. How many viewers wow. do you think? Can you can you ballpark? A, a million. <laughs> <laughs> one, one million viewers. They never yeah. broke. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, because it's not like it's hard. It's hard. Two thousand two would be like twenty million. I'd say eight million people closer. This is came in at thirteen point four, and it was and it was just recently. um, Whenever the Game of Thrones uh, finale aired, that broke it by point two million. So that that was like the highest viewed night of HBO since two thousand two, all the way to Game of Thrones finale, which is weird. Like I'm I'm baffled that the that the series finale did not get that number. So. Um, yeah, but uh, I will say I, I started watching live this season in college and I did feel like a lot of my friends in college were also because the DVDs were like being passed around more and stuff like it. It did have a feeling of like there are more people who are really into watching it on Sundays now than there maybe were in season three. Right. So, yeah, but, maybe, uh, but that's just, you know, and it's audience building an anecdote. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's kick it off here. It opens 
with this uh, close-up shot of uh, Carmela reading a, a New York Times story to AJ about uh, some Italian custom where they 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 try to get special treatment from people in power, uh, basically bribing people. And she mentions some guy got eighty-eight pounds of of fish, which is which which by the way, my my mom used to do this at the breakfast table to the whole family, and nobody was listening to her, but she would just. <laughs> read like every article to everyone and be like so <laughs> apparently there's a panda bear in china right now who has two mouths and and nobody cares <laughs> nobody's listening to her it's kind of like the uh like the like the zagat's uh, sketch on snl <laughs> like um, oh this is interesting like, no well, so cares. yeah, like, why do you guys think they they decided to kick off the fourth season, their highest rated rated episode ever, uh, with just reading from the New York Times? Any any theories on, on what they were going for here? I mean, you have a mix of like she's reading from the New York Times, cut to Tony like desperately looking for the sports section in the Star Ledger. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably it. something <laughs> like that. They're just using that. Yeah. Well, it does also seem like one of the themes, right, is that Carmela's starting to think about the world outside of Tony. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that the Star Ledger is so iconic in the oh, show yeah. and is the paper of record for New Jersey that there might actually be something to that of like Tony's in Tony's world and she's looking beyond the borders of that world now, right? Yeah, oh, and Chris, this is why we have you on. That is, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Hey, I know. I thought that too when I was watching. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 that was, <laughs> no, I did. I did. Yeah. I got it down. I put it in the notes. Um, also they, they like cut in the middle of this scene over to, um, before we see any of the other main characters go straight to Danielle, the undercover FBI agent and, and, uh, her husband, Will Arnett, um, which was like an odd sort of cut to me as well. Like why, why put that in the middle of this, this scene? Why so up top? Um, why do you guys think they know. did that? Really want to remind people what happened at the end of the season last season i don't know yeah in the middle of a scene that's already like it's weird unfolded. it is weird yeah yeah i always i remember it brought back this visceral memory because i don't i don't think i've watched sopranos since it aired i oh, maybe wow. rewatched some of it at one other point but it's been many years and it brought back a very visceral feeling which was that they really always wanted to remind you that she had a baby right that like if she got killed, there was a baby in a crib. Right. Yeah, she was always picking up that baby and kissing it. It was also shocking to me to look back. I was like, "Is that Will Arnett? <laughs> Is that like a pre before the time I was totally aware of him, Will Arnett?" And then I couldn't quite tell. And then he started speaking, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's <laughs> definitely Will Arnett." <laughs> that's definitely Will Arnett. <laughs> yeah, this is pre. Well, I, I always remember. I always remember with her, they just were always holding that baby up to camera yeah. being like, baby. They did. And baby. then the baby like stops crying when she, when it sees like Jesus her big her hair. hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then, so, you know, typical morning, the Sopranos home, uh, Chris shows up to drive Tony into work. Um, and I guess that we sort of set up, they sort of tease out one of the big storylines of the, of the season here with uh, Carmela starting to have intimate feelings for Furio. Um, when, when she starts asking like, oh, Furio's not coming, blah, 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 this and that. Um, what do you guys think of that storyline, by the way? Because it plays out over the course of the entire season. Well, the Carmel, Carmel Furio storyline? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. I was just curious about where what, what uh, Furio was doing at the track, if he really went to the track or not. 
That was maybe, maybe he was like setting up the Icelandic air ladies uh, to roll by. Ah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. That's, maybe that's when at, you see him later in the episode. He's at Newark Airport, like just waiting around, uh, <laughs> you know, like customs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I always thought it was funny mm. that she went for Furio mostly because of this ponytail. That's what, like, yeah. I think in some episode they do they her, talk like, about it. Yeah. They talk about the ponytail, uh, but then also yeah. like there's a scene with her like dreamily like staring at the TV, and they do a close up of Mario Batali's ponytail. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. like she's like dreaming of Furio. Just I don't know something about the, the the ponytail. I'm trying to grow one now. I haven't had a haircut in like a year. Um, <laughs> pandemic times anyway uh then we get to uncle junior at the doctors and his whole thing is you know he's he's uh you know feeling his trial pressing him for money you know he's and that's a big theme of this episode in the entire season i mean the title of the episode for all debts public and private but like did you guys pick up how much over the course of this episode people are just money 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 like we need money yep yep um good guys um, yeah, uh, it ends yeah, with like a very obvious like z- like move in on that twenty dollar bill. So oh yeah. yeah, I mean yeah, that was weird. But um, then so something struck me this time on this rewatch that never hit me before. Like previous watches, I was like, Junior, what a charmer. And then when he's like flirting with the nurse in the doctor's office this dude, time, prob- I was problematic, like, dude. Felt very weird. Well, I would. I had. I had that exact thought of like, oh, this feels. I mean, I think it was meant to be pushy then, and it feels even worse now, all these years later. But one thing I thought was that really jumped out at me that I I missed the first time around was he's so desperate with his flirting and he's like almost like borscht belty, (laughs) like so kind of gross and um, unsubtle about it. And then the way that Tony just kind of like raises an eyebrow at her and junior doesn't even have the wherewithal to notice and she clearly gets a little gets a little more turned on by tony's i'm like that's their whole relationship right like he's the outlandish dude who talks too much and wants to be the public face everything and tony's the one who can just make like the subtle quiet move and actually be running the show i I thought that was super slick you can and loops back around to later when junior's like you keep me around to be the fall guy so you can i'm like oh yeah you saw that all just in their flirting style. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah. you kind of you can envision that that was kind of the um the dynamic between him and johnny boy that oh a junior yeah. like yeah that was yeah, like johnny boy was sort of the more uh suave understated yeah, yeah kind of yeah for sure um but yeah Something something felt weird, but then it comes to bite Junior in the ass. As later in the episode, we find out that she's uh, fed undercover. Um, yeah, and uh, and she will be at his trial. Um, I also liked. I thought she was a really. I think she's a very striking actor, beautiful actor. But she's, you know, when you think about who Tony is usually shacking up with, it's like young, yep. like young, super, you know, tight-bodied Russian girls on boats mm. and stuff. And I I as we talk about it almost like he almost wanted to flirt with her just so junior didn't want. Yeah, <laughs> like he yeah. wants to he like no offense to that actress but i feel like in the writing is like yeah if, if junior hits on a girl tony's gonna do it oh, yeah. better instantly yeah. and not and do it without even saying a word so <laughs> doesn't have to effortless right. <laughs> yeah just sidestep around her and the sexual uh attraction is 
popping off the screen. Um, We've all been there. <laughs> in the doctor's office. <laughs> For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so that, that whole thing plays out where Junior's, uh, you know, hurting for money i i love how uh tony ends up like swindling basically swindling him out of that um freeland heisen avenue uh property um that there that's like along the esplanade that uh is gonna eventually like become tribeca yeah, jamba juice, <laughs> a jamba is it, is juice that, yeah that's the property right that eventually becomes the jamba juice i assume right i thought no. um oh no I thought maybe it was like some like chicken property. chicken store or something yeah 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 that's true that's just a different one yeah, no, I, I can't keep up with all of his uh, real estate swindles. Yeah, <laughs> there's a number of them. Yeah. Um, I like that. Also, he's um he's uh he's like not divulging all of it to um Carmine too, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That there becomes a little a like a little moment two, yeah. there that like he's like anything else I need to know about that, and he's like eh, no no it's fine. Yeah. But lucky for New York, they have sort of uh, an informant in uh, Polly Walnuts who's. You know, flapping his gums a little too much on the jail payphone to uh, to Johnny Sack, and that becomes a huge thing. This episode, did you guys know that uh, that Tony Sirico actually hurt his back and had to be like written out of these first batch of episodes, and that's why they put him like, oh, that's what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah. They that's why they put him in jail so he could like take time off to recover and shit. So that's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing that like they had to rewrite after like a principal character hurt his injured his back and couldn't be on set and the episodes didn't suffer whatsoever from that you know um and then the other big storyline that gets kicked off is chris's growing drug problem fun times i just i feel like this season really kicks off like a huge like a a more starkly like just dark uh rest of the series right It's, it's not as dark like the first few seasons a little lighter in tone and even look um the way this is shot this episode feels like it's shot like lit darker and stuff like that the great time and memorial speech is uh really dark he's oh, so yes. like shadowed yeah. in there and um like yeah i've i i was really noticing that in this scene um in this rewatch uh but i um I mean, I really like this episode. I really think it's one of my favorite like season premiere. I think, I mean, they really fucking set everything up so well. Yeah. Um, like a lot like of so shit many, like, in a mem- short amount memorable, of time. Yeah, mem- a lot of like very memorable lines. Like Don doesn't wear shorts, and uh, Quasimodo predicted all of this. Yeah, yeah. That died on the vine. Yeah, that's not, that's actually. I mean, this is the first episode that was written and that aired after you know post nine eleven. So I think maybe that some of that darkness I was talking about definitely came from that. This is only you know airing only a little over a year afterwards. So, um, yeah. But yeah, everybody remembers that like Nostradamus thing with uh, with Bobby Bacala. I mean, that's uh, so good. I yeah. was la- I laughed my ass off, and I knew it was like you know. It's the best. Uh, I also laughed at the way he's like, "What is this, Mother May I?" (laughs) Dying at that. Man, Dominic Kinesi just uh, knows how to deliver a line. Um, But yeah, uh, I I love that Chris is like actually shooting up heroin, and as he's doing it, he says the line, "When have I ever not been there for Tony?" A hundred percent, and then he just passes out. Like that sort of stuff. Which is kind of blunt on the nose writing for David it, Chase. So if he's going to do it, especially in the season premiere, it feels like he's like, 
shooting a signal flare into the sky yeah. of like, hey, this, <laughs> is gonna, this, season, this season's going to be bad with this <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. Your eyes peel. Yeah, it does not go well for Chris. Um, but yeah, that big scene with all the capos when uh, Tony, you know, they walk behind the Bing and like, it's like over like a little creek or something and then into some other dark abandoned building. And, uh, you know, he's, he's like, I shouldn't have to be coming here hat in hand, you know, when my uncle's on, on trial for his life. Right. Uh, and that's just like stressing the whole, uh, financial thing. Do you guys like, I don't I didn't even remember that like post nine 11, there was like this huge, uh, like economic downfall. Did you, did you guys remember that? No, I was 18. I could care less. I, <laughs> I, <was you>. <laughs> I was in college, so I guess, yeah, it wasn't affecting me. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I do remember that. I was also in college. Um, I was at that point, I was going, I, I was in the city all the time because I had started doing comedy. So 9 11 was a Tuesday. I was in the city on a Thursday. And I remember that fear. But then I also remember how much construction exploded after that. So, um, right, yeah. I feel like in reality the mob did did okay. Just yeah, they did all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, Tony even says it. He's like, traditionally, you know, the the industries that are recession proof are show business and this thing of ours. So, I mean, yeah, they they had a lot of buildings to build back up. Um, a small note: Did you guys catch like the weirdly bad graphics of the Italianissimo and the Wild Bird stores? Did you see that? No. Like the looked, like like the, the exterior of the stores? Yeah, it looked like they like superimposed in like neon green like lettering. Well, I have something to talk about with this oh, that's going to blow your mind. Let's hear it. Cuz he goes uh, we're jumping ahead. Yeah, right? yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Wild Bird Center. I'm watching it. And you're now saying like, "Oh, it looks like they really fucked up with the uh the Photoshop or whatever, the design <laughs> on it." The Wild Bird Center is actually real. It's actually a hilariously real store. It's at the corner of uh, Bloomfield Avenue and Passaic Avenue, right on the border of West Caldwell and Fairfield. And it's one of these things that I can speak to, which it's kind of like a hilariously well-known, like ever since I was a kid, every time you drive past there, your dad's like, Ugh. The Wild Bird Center still in business. How about that? <laughs> um, to the degree where I can't imagine that they still are, but for years, that's real. I don't remember if Italianissimo is, but my parents moved from West Orange to Fairfield. Uh, so I used to drive by that place all the time. And that was like a local landmark in a big way. So I can tell you the Wild Bird Center was not just a thing they invented CGI. for Tony to go buy. <laughs> bird seed that was real and that was the real exterior at least of the wild bird center wow. i can't speak to italianissimo but i 100 guarantee because i think david chase grew up in north caldwell if i remember or lived in north Caldwell. he had to have and yeah. i can almost guarantee that he he i first i can guarantee he did not invent that place for the show but i can almost guarantee that he lovingly found a reason to include it for the show because um, that was real and, and a very well-known joked about <laughs> local and yeah. for real. So that I hate to, uh, I hate to contradict you. Well, do, okay. Mr. Was, Wesley, the, was the sign only was weirdly not, uh, like neon green sign like that? It was a big gaudy okay. sign. Uh, it looks like it closed in 2010, unfortunately. RIP. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it is a big, bright, bold sign. It was in a little strip mall. And for years, it was just, like I said, you'd just be like, how 
the fuck? It's not even a full-fledged, well-rounded pet store. They just sell supplies for wild birds. Like who is into wild birds enough that this business is being supported? So you have to imagine that the, this is one of the first businesses that the internet just killed because there's not enough wild. There were probably people driving miles yes. to go to the one wild bird center <laughs> they could find. And then they'll just go, I can just buy my wild bird supplies on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that place was real. I mean, that place was very, very real. Maybe, uh, maybe this, uh, that one shot kept the place in business for, uh, for the next eight years. Yeah, I'm sure it showed up on all those uh, Sopranos bus tours. All right. Uh, we talked about Polly in jail. Um, oh, yeah. What about this uh, this Sunday dinner scene? Um, with You got the whole family. You got Ralphie. You got Roe. You got Janice. You got Carm's parents. You got AJ's half-Jewish uh, friend. Classic Ralphie uh, fair. Right. Oh, yeah. That monologue is so good. <laughs> yeah. I got two things I got to say about this scene, but we should discuss the scene for real first because the two things I have to say have nothing to do with the actual <laughs> substance of the scene. I mean, that will be discussing it for real on this podcast, so feel, feel right. free. Okay. The first thing I'll say is when Ralphie's being a big show off and kind of stealing focus of the conversation, talking about motorcycles, mm -hmm. he tells a story about a guy going super fast on Passaic Ave at the corner of New Dutch Lane, and which you may remember, I mentioned that the Wild Bird Center was at the corner of Passaic Ave and Bloomfield Avenue. So Passaic Ave is like a very major road in Western Essex County. Um, and where the Wild Bird Center is, is where it meets Bloomfield Ave. And that's a big commercial area. And after you get past New Dutch Lane, about a half mile or so down that, it picks up again with like another uh, there's like a gas station and a bank and a couple fast food places and it hits route 46 which is massively commercial but in between those two things there's a very small airport called the fairfield airport and it's a place where it's like you know people go to take like flying lessons in single engine planes you know or propeller planes mm -hmm. and um, it's desolate it's just a, it, this this airport that by the standard of airports is small but it's just this stretch that there's, and there's nothing really on the other side of it. So there, and there is, there's a red light right there. And it's, it's the idea that he would tell a story about someone going on like a speed tear on that exact stretch is again, every teenage kid who grew up in Essex County has hit the fucking gas to the floor right there, trying to get through that green light at new Dutch lane, new Dutch lane. Like it cuts up um, right to another location that we'll talk about from the show, but there's like a little abandoned building on new Dutch lane and nothing else. And it's the, like, it's just so fucking funny to me. That's the side of it where I go, these are the gifts I get to have as a fan of this show that a lot of other people don't have. Cause I could see in my head, that's the stretch where, yeah, you fucking race your friends right there along that airport. There's nothing going there. And the light at the end of it, new Dutch lane, boom. That is that is wild the level of detail that they they I mean I guess it, it was easy for him to write into a script right that like because he knew the yeah. area but and if he's from North Caldwell too uh, North Caldwell is very very tiny and Passaic Ave is the western border of the town mm. so that's it, it, all the main roads from North Caldwell dump out right to that area so it's like 
it's so specific that it's mind blowing. And that's where and the, Ralphie prefers to race. Is, is uh, yeah, that's like it's it's him. It's it, it is like because they say like oh all the hoods rode those motorcycles right they have that line which like my parents generation that's what they and i think a lot of parts of the country but the hoods like we called them burnouts in the 80s and the hoods before that right they were the bad kids but that is where like the old school fucking cigarette smoking like like you know like kaniki from greek like those guys (laughs) with the leather jackets look back here they would be drag racing on that exact street undoubtedly I, I would actually be shocked if David Chase didn't grow up with it being like, meet me on, meet me on Paseca, have a new Dutch and we'll race and see who's faster. Like that is 100% wow. on target. <laughs> the other thing I noticed, if you want me to keep going, please do. One thing that makes me laugh hard that I think other people might not laugh hard at is when the FBI agent gets into Tony's house, which first of all, obviously huge, right? Yep. Huge chess piece just moved in the, the show, but when he goes, where are you from? And she says, Whippany. It made me grin so hard <laughs> because Whippany is a very nice town, pretty far removed from the drama of all the Sopranos uh, stomping grounds. And it's just a very quiet upper middle-class town that has like almost no reputation at all in the surrounding area. So what she's telling him right there is like, she's upper middle class. She's not, he, she's not trying to worm in on, she hasn't heard anything that's going to make her worm in on money. Right. She's probably like a nice kid from a good family, not looking for trouble. Right. What, that's what it means to say to Tony Soprano, I'm from Whippany. When I was, that's what it I means. was home uh, either last year or the year before. And we were driving home. I was driving with my family in the car from my uncles and he actually lives in New Brunswick. And we were about to get to the Tappan Zee Bridge and I like tapped my sister and I gave her my phone. I was like, you have to take a picture of the sign that says Whippany to send to these two guys. Because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I'd never noticed that before in a, in, until I was thinking about that moment. So, Whippany. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. Uh, yeah, that, to to know that level of like specificity, like uh, is so just uh, is just it's just adding another level of like the specificity that we nerd out on uh, on this show. And uh, I, I got some other town specific stuff that makes me feel like it's intentional. We, we um, had Sarah Benincasa on, who's from you know yes. she's she's from Jersey, but she's from you know Cowtown, Jersey. So she does not have the connection to Essex County like you do. Oh, so landmarks, this, yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. a- excellent. Excellent. Yeah, there's a few things. There's a few things I can get into, but I don't want to also, I don't want to just derail the actual discussion of the scenes of the show. These discussions so often get derailed. This is nothing new here. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, here's another one I'll drop now because it's not necessarily, I forget exactly which scene it was in, but you may have heard that the phrase down neck was dropped. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I think this may have been one episode in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. That episode meant a lot to people from where I'm from. It meant a lot to where I'm to people where I'm from. Because if you remember, it was called Down Neck, mm. but I don't believe they say the phrase Down Neck in the Down Neck episode. Mm. But it's an episode, and I haven't rewatched it. I'm just remembering this off the top of the head. So apologies if I'm wrong. It's an episode with a lot of flashbacks to Tony's dad. Yep. Growing up in New York. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what you should know is Newark, New Jersey is pretty major city bad reputation out tough times this was a city where 
all of our grandparents emigrated to. Most of the people I know who grew up, whose families were from gener- molten generations in North Jersey, mm-hmm. there was an Irish pocket of, of um, Newark. And after the Newark riots, even a little before, my entire neighborhood in West Orange was a lot of Irish people from Newark who all moved to the same suburb together. There was a big Jewish population in Newark. If you ever read Philip Roth books, a lot of them are set in Newark because he was from there. A lot of those um, people all moved en masse. Livingston, New Jersey is a huge, uh, has a huge Jewish population now. Short Hills as well. Philip Roth in Goodbye Columbus, he writes about Short Hills. And there was a huge Italian pocket as well. And a lot of them moved to Fairfield, which is right there in North, uh, next to North Caldwell. That whole area was a lot of Italians. So the thing about the phrase down neck is that it's not used anymore. Our grandparents' generation, uh, a lot of them were from a neighborhood that they called down neck. But now when people talk about Newark, they talk about a neighborhood called the Ironbound. And it's a big uh, Portuguese becoming more progressively Brazilian neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But for him to name an episode Down Neck and have it be flashbacks to a prior generation of this neighborhood in Newark, really a slick, cool move that he didn't explain. But I'm sitting here going, man, everybody I grew up with calls it the Ironbound, but my grandparents said they were from Down Neck. And that's the type of shit he does that just fucking gets my blood going. (laughs) (laughs) I never knew that. And as much as like... I've like studied the show and rewatched it and like looked for meanings and titles. I, that one just always flew by me. Cause you're right. They don't say it in the episode at all. Yeah. But it's the flashbacks to the olden yeah. days of what's now the Ironbound, And it, I think it's called the Ironbound cause there's train station, train tracks uh, that bracket it. And if I remember right, it's, it was called down neck cause it's kind of shaped like a goose's neck. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think maybe uh, don't quote me on this. I think, uh, those train tracks weren't all there mm. during a prior generation. So it became the iron bound as they came to define the borders. But for him to call it down neck, I'm telling you in many towns in Essex County, New Jersey, the phrase down neck is dropped, but like as the old generation dies out, it's going to be said less and less. It's, it's, it's fucking cool, man. It's Chris, fucking cool. awesome. Chris. Yeah. You missed your calling as a historian, I think. <laughs> well, this is why I talk about New Jersey. I mean, Joe can tell you, Joe's known me forever and I've like never shut the fuck up about New Jersey. It's always been a big part of my comedy. Like I, yes. I never shut up about it. And, and uh, my obsession with it, I think probably rivals David Chase's. So yeah, oh, actually maybe Mr. Calling has like a Sopranos walking tour guide of uh, New Jersey. <laughs> it's never too late. Take everybody to Halston. Right. <laughs> Take everybody to um, Yeah, so let's, I mean, why don't we just like wrap it up by talking about the, the biggest thing in the episode for me was um, how Tony finally uh, lets Chris um, get vengeance against the man who supposedly murdered his father. Um, Bear, Detective Barry Haydu who uh, they roll up outside of Hooters, I think, and watch yes. a little of the end of his uh, retirement party. Uh, what do you guys think of the of the scene? And do you think that was actually um, the man who killed Chris's father? I still don't uh, know. It's still one of like the biggest uh, questions that I always like struggle with. Like, I, I really, I really have no idea. I'm more interested in the Magnum PI clip where they say special uh, investigator Finnerty. Oh yeah. Yeah, I get a little little shout. I didn't notice that. <laughs> um, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, how I do you know. do? You, do you think like the actor who played the detective? Do you think he played it like 
like he was uh, like he was actually innocent or what? I kind of do because when probably he, when he mention mentions um, what's the guy's name? Jilly Jilly Ruffalo. Yeah, Jilly. Jilly Ruffalo. Like when he mentions uh, his name, he does seem to kind of like stone stone over for a sec, you know. Yeah, as much as a cop would. Yeah. So I yeah, I think if and if he didn't do it himself, he was like somehow involved. Like obviously he was in the he was a crooked cop, regardless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I love um the the Chris taking the uh the twenty dollar bill out of his wallet and then hanging that up on his mother's fridge to end the episode. I just think that's such a nice like little I love that little scene with his, him and his mom. Yeah, it's great. Like, did like, did, did I ever uh, uh, saddle you? With saddle a, you with a stepfather? You yeah. know, I mean, it's it's great. Yeah, she, I love that. She wants to make him too. a fluffernutter. You guys they, remember they fluffernutters? Oh, my girlfriend was horrified. Horrified. Oh man, that was. Children. I I feel like I had more of those than peanut butter and jellies. Growing up. I don't think no, I don't think I've insane. I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever eaten one I don't think I've ever eaten really before. oh you'd love them I remember oh, I probably would we, love were, them, we but... were stocked with fluff at all times <laughs> yeah I don't think we had it I don't know why I have um two reactions from this storyline that I don't think you're gonna get elsewhere if you want please them, tell me please. if I'm being stop honest. asking stop asking no. <laughs> okay one first thing that made me laugh the cops from Clifton perfect choice perfect choice that he's clifton cop because clifton there's this thing in north jersey where there, every town uh kind of has a certain gauged level of toughness and prides itself on toughness mm-hmm. and clifton is a town that i would say is like a very nice working class suburb um and it's one of these towns that mysteriously has like a reputation of like like if if me and my friends were out driving around New Jersey board one night and wound up at a diner and a bunch of kids in Clifton varsity jackets showed up or whatever, um, we wouldn't be talking bad. They're probably nice kids, but like they were known to maybe have a little bit of like, if it's go time, it's go time. Like the town had enough rough edges. Oh, and I really think like that. So the town next to Clifton is Passaic. Like that town has a lot of problems. You're going to find yeah bad cops there and then there's other towns that are nice but yeah clifton is a place where you might be able to like have your one guy on the inside if you're the the mob like that's perfect and then the other thing especially i think this came out 2002 the fact that his retirement party was at the hooters and wayne is so funny (laughs) like it's funny it's a hooters in general because that's like a dickhead retiring cop (laughs) in general but everybody has been to that Hooters and Wayne. It's right next to the Willowbrook mall, specifically on the side where you enter for the movie theater and the sports authority. And this was the fucking place. Like, you know, remember back then, like UFC was around, but it, it got UFC got popular when the ultimate fighter came out. Like, Nobody got UFC at your house. You had to find some shitty place that would show the UFC and you'd have to go there. And every fucking mook in an affliction t-shirt would show up on mass at the same place. When uh, I liked UFC back then, so I'd be the one fucking nerd with all these guys who were in like no fear hats and fucking <laughs> affliction shirts. And, and that was the Hooters in Wayne for like so much of North Jersey. It was like if there was some dick, like, oh, the football players, you want to hang out with every dickhead in North Jersey, go to that Hooters <laughs> in Wayne. 
it made me laugh so hard. Oh it's those God. little details that they that they use to really make all the the uh, like law enforcement characters just the worst. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that- it is an obnoxious place to have your <laughs> retirement party, and it's uh, I think Wayne borders Clifton, right? Like I think Wayne is right there, so it makes total sense geographically too. Like they're not fucking around. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. Uh, uh, anything else we want to say about the episode? I mean, we hit we hit some of the major things. Just real but, quick, uh, do, do you think that we're going to get any, I mean, it, it goes against David Chase's like um, kind of way of writing, but do you think that we're going to get any hint of this storyline in Many Saints of Newark? Uh, I mean, I, it occurred to me because um, in one of the scenes where Chris is driving Tony, he's like, you know, your father was like a mentor to me growing up. Right. And so I, it occurred to me, you know, probably we're going to see Tony and uh, Dickie Moltisanti, their younger selves sort of bonding in the movie. So sure. But I mean like this particular storyline with the crooked cop, like, do you think we're, we're going to, I doubt, I doubt we'll see it. I don't know. I doubt. um, Yeah. That, that he'll answer whether or not Barry Haydu was responsible for Chris's father's death. So, yeah. Uh, Or, or, you know, it would be interesting if we saw like what really happened, but um I don't mean I don't mean that I don't mean that heavy-handed. I just mean yeah. like touch see, on it. Silly, see Jilly Ruffalo or see you know yeah could be um, any any of that. Just like a little a little taste. Yeah, we'll but find probably, out. But in, probably not because David September. Chase. It's too that's too cute for David Chase. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to say one shout out to Ray Curto wearing Chet's shirt from Kirby Enthusiasm. Oh my god! Oh yeah, dude, that shirt got passed around shows on HBO for uh, for quite a bit. Um, Sharing words. Yeah. I have two quick things. Yeah, I have two quick things. Other reactions from from my my super insular Jersey perspective. One, just patting myself on the back. The scene in the diner mm-hmm. when they were sitting there, I, I was looking at it and I, I I said to myself, I'm fairly positive that's the Versailles Diner on Route 46 in Fairfield. And I paused it, looked up the location. <laughs> I nailed it. Visual, I knew the visual look of the inside of that diner. That was my, well my diner for a long time. <laughs> and then there's a line that I think needs a, um, a, a, high, a highlight on, a spotlight on it that's really worth it, which is when Tony's talking to Melfi and uh, he's talking about Junior and he goes, and what does my uncle have for all this? A shitty house in Belleville and a blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's a real, that's um. That's a really impactful line that I think everybody can kind of pick up on what that means, Mm -hmm. but being familiar with like, so Tony, when he goes, you've seen my house, Mm -hmm. Tony lives in North Caldwell, which is like, that's one of the richest areas of the County. Um, This is like multimillionaires. This is Wall Street people. This is, this is big money. Um, Essex Fells is probably the only part that's richer in all Essex County and North Caldwell probably actually maybe is right there. Belleville is a tough town. Um, it's like blue collar working class to the core. I, I have a lot of love for it, but it's, uh, it's talk about a place where if I ran into some kids from Belleville on a weekend night and if they showed up drunk and being obnoxious, I think we'd all bite our tongues and kids from my town wouldn't bite their tongues around everybody. But like, Belleville is rough around the edges. It is. It's between Bloomfield and Nork. And, and Bloomfield has a tough section. Mm-hmm. Nork is obviously Nork. Right. But Belleville was always known. Like those, some of those kids grew up rough and they got in and, and it's gritty. And 
the idea that he's like a mob kingpin living in that house in Bell in Belleville. And Belleville also has um I think has had a long reputation for being a little mobbed up for real. There's a restaurant there you guys might want to look up. I don't know if the Sopranos ever used it. Did they ever go to the Belmont Tavern? This place that's famous for Stretch's Chicken Savoy. It sounds familiar, because that's, but yeah. That's like a legendary restaurant with this chicken dish that people flip out for. But it's it's always kind of been a running gag that there's certain people that when they show up, they get to skip the line and that, that they're the ones keeping it in business. And it's always been rumored to, to be a place that actually has some, some mafia roots. So oh, wow. that line, what's he got after all this, a shitty house in Belleville yeah. is like, is I think everybody understands totally what that means. But to me, that's almost like a, a like a Springsteen lyric. Um, wow. And it's like, uh, in the way it hits you in the gut. Yeah, it is. It is, uh, you know, when you when you hear about these details that he's so like painstakingly crafted into his stories like it's it's beautiful it's like uh it's really like something that you're not going to see in many other shows if any like how set in the real world it is and how he utilizes that to build character you know build storylines like yeah i think you just brought it all to light gris like that was that was that was great thanks for that Oh, well, it was, a, it, I tell you, it was a joy for me to rewatch this and uh, to see all that stuff and feel all that stuff. And uh, again, I just love New Jersey and, and uh, David Chase, I think is a, a person who's always made all of us really proud to be from there. So yeah. it was, it was a joy and I hope I didn't ruin your podcast. You <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we always say we love watching the show because it reminds us of the East coast, but like, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like home for yeah. you. It's definitely another level. Even deep, yeah. <laughs> it's, That's awesome. It's That's wild. awesome. We're, we're somewhere in between someone from Nebraska and you. <laughs> Like we're somewhere. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you're, you're all Connecticut people. So you get it. And, and um, yeah, for, for sure. But for me, it's like, even like locations wise, like the, uh, the nursing home that Tony's mom was in was shot at a place in my hometown. I don't think it was set in my hometown or, or vice versa. It was either shot in my hometown and set somewhere else or shot somewhere else, but they said it was in West Orange. Right. Like, there's things like that. Um, and the re- the restaurants they eat at the places they go. Um, I think a lot of people's favorite episode is the pine barrens. Yep. Yes. And they make a reference there. It, it at one point they say a line that a lot of people probably just go, what the fuck does that mean? Where um, one of them, when they're marching through the woods goes, we've got to be careful. The fucking Jackson whites are around here. Yeah. I looked that up. What, yeah, what you have to that? look that one up. The Jackson whites. It's actually uh, the Ramapo mountain Indians is the right name. They actually get very upset at the name Jackson whites. Um, this is how weird New Jersey is. And, and this is how, how hard David Chase goes for it. Cause that's an, ins- that's actually an insane thing to put in a TV show in any context. These people are a tribe that has lived on top of a set of mountains around Mawa and Ringwood, New Jersey. And they've been up there since at least shortly after the revolutionary war is when they started showing up like references to them. And nobody kind of knows who they are. Um, they say that they're the descendants of uh, the Lenny Lenape tribe of Indians. Other people say it's like a mixture of runaway slaves and, and, and Indians and like people who fled like deserters from the British army, but they've lived in isolation. And there's all these urban legends that if you go up on their mountain, they'll kill you. 
and like they'll chop a tree down to block your car from getting out and they'll murder you and 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 all this stuff and they've been through a hell of a lot these people have been fucked with relentlessly it's racist i feel really bad about it that's why the name jackson whites i want to call it out uh I, I don't think he would use it today based on the fact that that they've made it very clear. Hey, that's please that it, that's the name that our kids are called to make fun of them in school and shit like that. But there's also a group of people in New Jersey called the Pineys because the Pine Barrens is very far in South Jersey. Mm-hmm. The Ramapo Indians, they're up further north from um, from where the Sopranos is set. So the Pineys, it's a similar thing. You go in the piney in the pines. There's people who live back there. These weird little towns. These some of them are living in like burnt out RVs, and it's always been a place. Again, since like Revolutionary War era, where it's known. Okay, there's weirdos back there. So I think it's Paulie who said it. I forget if it was Paulie Christopher, but not only is it an amazing reference for a New Jersey person to be like, did they just talk about the the mountain people on HBO? But they mixed it up, the two sets. So it also kind of tells you these, it's another joke about how these guys are kind of dopey idiots too. I'm like, no, they're fucking a hundred miles North of here. You're thinking about the pineys. Like it's another it's another fucking Quasimodo joke too. Yeah. It's and who the fuck is not even everybody in Jersey is going to catch that. One. Right. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. Listeners, That's- you you are getting taken for a ride on on this episode. <laughs> uh, all right, Chris, we're gonna jump to um, a really fun segment. Have you ever have you played the game? Have Have you ever? Remember that game from when you were you know like thirteen? Have you ever? Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Like spin the bottle. Yeah. Have you ever? So this, this sure. is sure. I remember that was a thing that exists, but if yeah. there's rules to it, no, there's mind. no rules. Just be honest. I mean, just you know, okay. just tell the truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. First question: Have you have you ever engaged in saving money? Have you ever saved money before? Like a saving yeah. account. Have you ever saved mm-hmm. money by wrapping it in cellophane and then burying it in birdseed in your backyard? No. Okay. okay. Um, have you, have you ever surprised your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Have you ever surprised your mom by showing up to her house with a $20 bill from a guy you just murdered? No. Straight to the point. Be honest. I I mean, (laughs) okay. Have you, uh, have you ever gone into a fight with, uh, uh, one of your significant others? Uh, not a physical fight, but but an argument. argument. Okay. Have you yeah. ever gotten yeah, yeah, yeah. into an argument with your significant other because you were rude to an undercover FBI agent and embarrassed her? And then because you're all stressed out, you started cooking up some heroin and, and asked her if she wants some. And she says, maybe she'll just snort some. And you called her Stunad. Uh, the heroin part and the Stunad part, definitely not. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of impossible <laughs> for me to know if any of my wife's friends are undercover FBI agents. So that one's inconclusive. Okay. But to my knowledge, as of yet, no. No suspicions? Okay. Unless unless I get a knock on the door one day that says I've been being bugged by my uh, wife's friend. The girl from Whippany. Joanne. The girl from Whippany. <laughs> my wife's friend Kelly, it turns out, has been a fed the whole time, inexplicably targeting me. You never know. You never know. On that one. You never yeah, know. This yeah. is what, you know, we just want to find out, you know, a little bit more about you. And, you know, we, we, we heard about your relationship with Jersey. And we want to know about yeah. you. Well, I appreciate person. it. Um, just a couple more. Um. Have you ever seen someone you know in public and um, decided that you're going to try to avoid them? 
Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen someone in, that you know in public and tried to avoid them because your significant other killed their significant other and it's super awkward? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Damn. I was like hoping we could get one, one yes. Maybe this one will be a yes. Um, have okay. you ever been at an event or a gathering where your ex also was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe knows that. Sure. Being in the the comedy community, I feel like that's bound to happen. Definitely. Um, That one was for you, Joe. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Have you ever been to an event or a gathering where your ex was and you excuse yourself and go do blow in the bathroom with your new girl, even though your ex is still grieving because she lost her son, her husband, within a year or so? Let me think. <laughs> no, no. All right. I could have sworn. I thought you were a Jersey guy. I thought you were a fucking Jersey guy, dude. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I guess I just lost. I, you know what? If there's one thing this game proves after everything I talked about tonight, I don't really know what I'm talking about when it comes to New Jersey. <laughs> Who is this bozo we got we on play, the podcast? We, we, we did this with DC Pearson, and he, uh, like, halfway through, he really didn't want it he was like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> i get yeah i get the joke uh, i feel like we do it just for spellman because i was just watching spellman's face the entire time and joe, he joe did was request a pig in shit joe requested this segment see, I w- i'm the opposite where if you if this went on for 35 more minutes i wouldn't i wouldn't i would internally go i'm not going to be the one to i'm, I'm not going to stop this <laughs> play chicken right yeah. No, and this is not a comparison between me and DC. No, yeah, no, these no. reactions are valid. No. But sure. but but you are a better sport than DC is my point. So I think no, I, I mean no, let's not tarnish DC here. I, mean, I love DC, really, but really DC's the best. I love DC, but you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna be a guest on the show, like have patience with the hosts. I mean, come on. <laughs> wow. This is gonna get back to him. No, yeah. no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Chris, uh Thank you for coming on. This is such a pleasure. Uh, we we had you on uh, in your you know uh, comedy realm, and we got a fantastic New Jersey history lesson. So I I know listeners with the except we'll we'll get one guy that's like, yo, dude, I don't know. That was like a lot of information. <laughs> like we'll get one of those, but I know the the bulk of our listeners are gonna love it. So thank you for coming on. Uh, do you have stuff that you would like our listeners to pay attention to sure first of all thank you for having me and it was really like i said a joy to kind of think about some of that stuff in places again and i hope that if there's uber nerds out there i hope they did like it and then i actually am I, i'm launching it the night we uh i'm launching it in the morning after you and i uh, you guys and i are talking uh, it's called new jersey is the world and it's this big um, podcast that's a monthly podcast and also a patreon with a ton of other stuff that's all about new jersey and we're actually doing an episode about the mafia because we kind of take topics that people kind of know new jersey for and we break down what it's really like so it's not we don't analyze the sopranos but we a lot of talking about like how real is it in north jersey that the mafia is kind of around and you know about it and to what level do you interact with them and uh, a lot of funny stories in general about Jersey, and that episode in particular, I think I think fans of your show will like. Awesome, awesome! That sounds uh, great. Awesome, man. Ex- 
Well, thank you again for coming on, listeners. Oh, thank you, guys. Uh, you can always find us at O Sopranos Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a five-star review on iTunes. That shit helps. As always, you can call us the worst podcast in the universe, but <laughs> give us five stars. Uh, and email us any questions, concerns, shit you like, shit you don't like, at osopranospod at gmail.com. Until next time. Oh! Oh! <laughs> <laughs>